Father, we love you. Thank you for today. Father, you are just so worthy of all honor and praise, and we thank you for today. Lord, thank you for a house that gives. And Lord, thank you that as we just continue to have your heartbeat about who we give into, that Father, you will just return it on every side, not so we can hoard it on ourselves. But Father, we will be a blessing in Kimberly and Morris, that Father, whatever the need is, Father, we can sow into it, Father. And uh, Father, thank you for just uh, a people, Father, who love you and who are hungry for you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I've got a scope up because I like to hunt. Actually, I don't hunt. <laughs> um, but I've been thinking a lot about prophetic ministry. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do something I did last week. I was up in High Point last week with Ruth and there's no way I can do everything I did in High Point last week because of time's sake. But uh, the, the thing about staying with people like Ruth, I enjoy it is because when you get in their house, you get into this atmosphere that they're in, and like downloads begin to come. And uh, as Friday night as I'm praying for the service Saturday morning, the Lord gives me a picture of a scope. I'm thinking, oh, this is really cool. And I want to start this morning with two thoughts about the prophetic. Um, and I want you to just think of a scope. A scope is used to hit a target, and the prophetic has a target. And if you're going to use a scope successfully, you have to make sure you're lined up both vertically and horizontally. Now, I don't know what those lines are. If those lines have a meaning, I don't know. I call them lines. Yeah, I might have a more technical term. I don't. But the Lord began to show me something about the prophetic, and I knew this one point already, and we'll talk about this in a minute, but part of the prophetic is that it's revelation, that's what prophecy is. And we want to just start with the scripture this morning. And I have my notes on the screen for you this morning. So 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says this. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts. Now let me just stop. He just has a mouthful right there. He says, pursue love, yet desire gifts. I want you to understand this. That your greatest pursuit in life must be rooted in love. And it must be love. Don't pursue gifts. Don't pursue the anointing. Don't pursue platforms, positions. Pursue love. Don't even pursue gifts. But he says, but I want you to desire gifts. There's a big difference. But especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands but in the spirit he speaks to mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for edification exhortation and comfort. Now, Paul's telling you what prophecy is used for. Prophecy is not edification, exhortation, and comfort. That is what it's used for. Prophecy reveals. But the prophetic word that reveals should bring you edification, exhortation, and comfort. Why do I say that? Because all prophetic words will be encouraging. But not all encouraging words are prophetic. Because in a little bit, we're going to do some prophetic ministry. I'm going to call some people up here with me. And I want us to understand that, that prophecy is not, Leah, God loves you. God loves Leah, but that's not prophetic. Prophetic reveals things. And out of the prophetic, whether it's a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge, there's a word within it that affirms, it, it exhorts, it comforts. Like the very first prophetic word I ever got, I was 20 years old, never had one, and the pastor just read my mail. And at the time, my, my father had just lost his leg in the mines. They were now going through um, 
disability, so, you know, finances were different. And he just read not only my mail, but my parents' mail. That word brought so much encouragement. I didn't walk away thinking, hopeless. I walked away feeling encouraged one because I had a prophetic word that, that told me where I had been, where I was, what I was going to do. And then underneath that came a word that just brought hope and encouragement. That's the power of the prophetic. And, and the reason I bring this up is that me and uh, Abner were in Mexico a few years back with this church in Colorado that was very different from us. They were not our stream. And we were not their stream. And we did some prophetic ministry, and we got a lot of flat from our own group. So, anyway. But he says it's for edification, edification, and comfort. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. Now, I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. It's God's desire that everyone in here will prophesy. Out of all the nine gifts, listen in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, pursue this, but that you may all Everyone in here, if you're a believer, you should prophesy on a regular basis. Why? Because it's the heart of God. That you prophesy. And greater is the one who prophesies than the one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. Now let's go down to verse 22 maybe, I think. So then tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophecy is for a sign not to the unbeliever, but to those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church assembles together and all speak in tongues, and ungifted men or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are mad? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an ungifted man enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so he will work on his face and worship God, declaring God is among you. What happens? The unbeliever, he comes in. The prophetic is flowing. What happens? His heart is revealed, and he repents. That's the power of the prophetic. Now, when his heart is revealed, it's not calling his sin out. That's not what it's doing. He's revealing the secrets of his heart. Like that very first time I had a prophetic word from that guy who became my pastor, who didn't know me, he revealed my heart. I was thinking, how did you do that? What was it? Spirit of prophecy. Now, so here in our scope, we have this first line. The first aspect of prophecy is that it reveals things. Whether it's the word of prophecy, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, or even the strange spirits, prophecy is going to reveal things, okay? So I want you to see first. But then there's another aspect of prophecy we got to look at is this. It's the word in the right season. Isaiah 50. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word and season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the Lord. Now, my father would always plant a garden. Tomatoes, corn, okra, peas, potatoes, squash. You named it, he planted it. And my father, we moved to our house in 1981. So my parents have been there for 36 years now. And in 36 years, every time my father has planted a garden, his garden has always produced. So he has a proven tract of land. And the seed he has sown has always produced a harvest. So my father knows he has a proven tract of land, and he knows he has proven seed. Therefore, he always has a harvest. But the reason my father always has a harvest is because he sows his seed in the right season. You need to understand this, that the prophetic has a season. And sometimes words do not come to pass because, A, we don't have the right word. We miss it. Listen, 
I will tell you, like I told him in North Carolina, I have missed it. I'm human. I have missed it. I have missed it bad. Sometimes the word doesn't happen because it's not a word from God. It's a word from Paul. It's a word from Paul's soul and not Paul's spirit. Sometimes the word doesn't happen because the person who received the word, while it was a correct word, they did not partner with the word. And therefore the word did not come to pass. And sometimes the reason the word doesn't come to pass is because the word was released in the wrong season. You have to understand this, is that prophecy is a word of revelation that must be given in the right season. And when the word is released in the right season, it's going to hit its intended target. A word of revelation in the right season will hit the intended mark. Amen? So I want to just maybe talk today about some keys I've learned in my lifetime of growing in this gift, of moving in this gift, and because my really my heart is this, and I don't know how we're going to do this, but I really have a desire to meet with people either on a Sunday night or during the week, and I want to begin to train up prophetic people because I think it's important we have a prophetic culture, not just a kingdom culture. We want to have a kingdom culture. We want to have a, a healing culture. We want to have a dream. But do you understand? You know, it's really funny. Last year when I was in the guest, I went to my friend uh, Chris Jones and. I really began to understand what the word, the word, <laughs> culture meant. Chris is Asian. And so when I went to his house, I walked in his house and his kid's like, take your shoes off. I'm like, okay, take my shoes off. And that whole weekend I had to be reminded, take my shoes off. But for Chris and his wife and his kids, they didn't have to be reminded because it was part of the culture. I want to suggest that you know you have a culture in your heart. When you don't have to think about doing it, you just do it. So I know I don't say that word correctly, but I want to say, if you had to think about the prophetic, then the prophetic has not been cultivated in your heart yet. If you had to think about doing things, it's not been cultivated in our lives. But when you begin to do things like breathing, it's part of my DNA. It's just part of who I am. God wants to make the prophetic, healing, miracles, dreams. He wants, that should be just be part of our second nature because it's part of who we are. And we don't have to think about, oh, I need to go, wait, I need to process today. No, it just flows. It's like I told them in in High Point last Sunday, it was was really funny. I'm like, you know that mailman doesn't go to the the mailbox or to the mail office on Monday and goes, do I have mail for Lee Vaughn? Do I have mail for Ken? No, that mailman just goes in the mail room, gets his mail, he comes to your house. We're not looking for words. This isn't about getting words to get words. This is about being a vessel who submitted to the Holy Spirit that when he highlights something to you, you're then in a place to deliver it. Because if you go chasing words, you're going to miss words. And so, you know, I remember years ago, we had this guy from our church. He was from Kentucky, and he came down to a Friday night prayer meeting, and he was in the back, and I thought he was having either, an, he was either about to have a baby, or he was, he was like, I'm like, what is it? He goes, I got a word. I'm like, shut up. I know, I'm just really blunt. Because listen, here's, here's my thing I struggle with. Our movement has got enough flack as it is already. By people going to places like, and you probably don't know the guy's name, but John MacArthur. John MacArthur is a big sensationist who a few years back did the Strange Fire movement. He said his, and I watched the audio, I watched the, actually watched the video, he said, all charismatics and Pentecostals are going to hell. So this prophet guy from Europe decides to get him back off his church, get up and rebuke him in public. 
Well, that just made it all the more better. So there's a lot of flack in our movement. So I want to make sure that our movement is, uh, while we don't try to hold anything back, we do it with decency and honor. Because that's what the Bible says. Let all things, after he writes this, he says, let all, let all things be done with decency and, and order. So having said all that is this, is that we want to become a people who move in a gift that reveals things, but it's also in the right season. And here's the other thought before we move on. On down, it's on the screen, but Paul says this. He says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Now, people say, what does that mean? Well, I'm going to tell you what it means. If I wanted water right now, I would go to the sink and I would get water. Why? Because water's there ready to be got. So the spirit of the prophet is subject to me. That means I either cut the gift on or I don't cut it on. That means at times I, I can get around people and I know I have a word for them, but it's like, do I give this word? Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's wait a minute. So don't think because you have a word now, it means you have to give it now. We have to use wisdom. And don't think because God's speaking now, I have to release it now. What happens when you have a baby who's premature? A lot more struggle involved, a lot more hands-on. The baby's still going to live, but a lot of things you wouldn't have to do, you do because the baby was born premature. And the prophetic can be that same way. You have to put your hands to it at times. So we need to make sure that we don't get, because here's the thing. It's not about me. So why do I care how I look? So if I have the word, whether I give it today or tomorrow or next year, it doesn't matter because if it's, I've learned this, if it's a true word from God, it'll keep. True words from God don't expire. They don't. Look at how long that prophetic word came about Messiah. Genesis 3, he will bruise his head and he will crush his heel. That word was there for thousands of years, and that word did not expire. And so I want you to say that to us, that we don't get in this thought that says, I've got to give it. Use wisdom, guys. We have to make sure we marry the, the wisdom of God with the prophetic, very much so. That will save us a lot of headaches. Making sense? Okay. Got my water from Jax. That's good. Yeah, that's work. Well, Jesus is here. It could be wine. I got my funnel. So uh, let me just give you some keys I've, I've learned over the years. Number one, you have to think outside the box. Now, the reason I use this as the first key is this, is because part of my struggle was there was a season in my life where I thought, God is not speaking to me. About six months. I'm thinking, man, have I, am I in sin? Did I not repent? Did I not pray enough? And so I remember I was sitting on my pastor, and I drove him crazy. The first few years of being with him, I probably drove him insane. And uh, thankfully, I had a pastor who's very prophetic and great wisdom. And I, I, I sat down with Lynn. I said, Lynn, I said, I'm not hearing God. And he sat down, he looked at me, and goes, Paul, goes, here's the issue. The issue is that God's not speaking to you. The issue is that God is speaking in a way you don't realize he's speaking in. I thought, how about that? What I'm saying is, is that you will have a primary way that God will speak to you. God can speak to you in dreams, audible voice, through the word, through angels. There are so many ways God can speak. But you have to learn this, is that you cannot put God in a box to how God will speak to you in this season or in this moment. Most times when God speaks to me, I have just a knowing in my heart. 
I don't see often. I see very seldom. Most times I just have an impression like I just know this about you. I, I just that's how I describe it. But I remember last Sunday before last because we weren't here last Sunday. They were praying for Rachel, and I was sitting down right here in this thing, being lazy. I didn't want to pray. I just really didn't want to pray. I was, sorry, Rachel, I love you. But Sean and Allison, they all were praying, and all of a sudden, I looked, and I said, Rachel, I said, there's an angel behind you with a, with a sword. What happened? God was speaking through seeing. And so I want you to understand this, is that God will speak, and he will speak in many ways. But don't limit God in the ways he does speak to you. Always be open. Never assume that because you don't hear God the way you're hearing God, means that he's not talking. He's always speaking. My sheep hear my voice. His voice just comes in many different facets at times. So we have to learn how to step back, pray at times, and say, I'm not hearing God the way I normally hear God, so is God speaking another way? Listen, there's a season in my life where God was speaking to me through license plates. I'm dead serious. Or numbers. I'm thinking, that's, that's so funny, God. Can you just speak to me like, you know, the normal way? Because I'm used to that. What, but what, what is this? God loves to remove your blankies. He loves to remove the things that you like to lean upon. Why? Because he wants us to trust him. So number one, don't put God in the box. Second thought I'm going to give you that I've learned in the prophetic is this, is always be a faithful steward. Always be a faithful steward. Matthew 25, we won't go there, but Matthew 25 is a, is a story I love. It's, it's this man, he has these talents, and he calls people together. And the one he gives five, the one he gives two, and the one he gives one. And to the one he gave five, that one who had five got five more. The one who had two, he took the two and made two more. But the one who had one, he went and he buried it. And the, the owner was very upset. And what I've learned is this with the prophetic. If you want to go in the prophetic, you have to learn to steward the gift. I didn't start out with names and numbers. I started out doing good to get God loves you. I really did. Because when you don't understand how the gift works, you just assume that God's going to speak and you're going to hear you in this ear. And it's like, you realize the gift does not work like you thought it was going to work. You're like, holy crap, what have I done? So that first Sunday night, I remember this so vivid. God, this is like imprinted in my brain. Sunday night, the church at Garondale, it's time for prophetic training. I'm there with 45 other people. I'm thinking, I cannot do this. They're getting things. I'm thinking, holy crap, this is sucks. Because my expectation did not meet my current reality. And <laughs> that's a bad place to be at. But anyway, long story short is this, I learned how to stick with it. And one of the things the Lord said to me in that time was this. He says, if you're learned to be sensitive to my voice, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up, say this. He said, to become sensitive to my voice, you must first become obedient to my voice. In other words, I learned to go in sensitivity to the Spirit by being obedient to the Spirit. So if the word was this, Lee, God loves you. I stewarded that word well. And as I did those words well, and a lot of times God would put me in a spot where I felt so uncomfortable. Like, is this God? And I would just look like a fool. I'm telling you, my life, Literally, I do what I do because I've learned to make my life lived like a fool for God. People ask me, how do you do what you do? I said, because I don't mind looking foolish. That's my, if, you, if, I had a, if I was to write my book, my tell secrets about serving God, it says in one page, I've learned to live foolish for God. 
And I've learned I don't care how I look in front of people. And if I fail, I fail, and I clean up my mess. But 90% of the times when I had those words, I said, this just is not God, it's Paul. And I give them, and it's like, how did you know that? I'm thinking. <laughs> now, stewardship. Sean Bowles just came out with an e-course on words of knowledge. And I told Rachel I was going to buy it. It was 50 bucks, and I bought it. She goes, why didn't you buy that course? She goes, you move in words of knowledge. And I said, not like he does. I want to show you something. I brought this for two reasons. Excuse me while I get my thing out, my library out. Now, people say, Paul, how did you learn to move the prophetic? Well, because I was willing to look stupid, and I invested in study manuals like this. And to this day, 15 years on the prophetic, I'm still reading books on the prophetic. I'm still buying e-courses on the prophetic. Why? Because I want to be a steward of what I've been given. So the reason I bought these for you is, number one, because I want to provoke you that God wants you to prophesy. And I would encourage you, you're not taking my books home. Because, I, you know, because, look, honestly, I write in my books, and people take my books and they don't, don't bring them back. There is valuable stuff in that book that I put in there myself. So they don't leave my house. But two reasons. I want you to come up here and get these and take pictures and begin to study about words of knowledge. Kids, get to prophecy. School of Seers, great book. Bill Hammond. Probably the one, but if there's, if you're going to get any book up here, I would say get this. This thing changed my life. Chris Valentin, great book. Hear, how to Hear the Voice of God. Oh, my God. 25 bucks, best money I've ever spent in my life. A journal of learning how to hear the voice of God. I take stewardship very seriously. Why? Because in Matthew 25, those talents were not their own. They were his talents. The gift of prophecy is not my gift. It's his gift. And I want to make sure that I steward well what he's given to me as a son. And you should too. So whatever you feel called to do, I want you to encourage you that you make sure you put your money into it. You take time. You make time. Listen. Cut the TV off. You know what I did last night in Alabama game? Cut it off. So I have a DVR. <laughs> Why? Because Jesus is more important than Alabama beating in Colorado State. I'm just saying, guys, sometimes, somehow in our lives, we've got to decide what is really more important for us to be putting our time into. Five they won. Great game. Could have been better defensively. But who cares? And so last night, it had the, you know, and it was so cool. I had like this best worship time, like an hour and a half with Holy Ghost. And it was just so good. I'm thinking, I am so glad I didn't watch the Alabama game, especially when I saw the score at the end. I'm thinking, that's horrible. Well, I'm saying, steward well, whatever it is, Mark, steward well evangelism. Sean, steward well worship. Allison, steward well prayer whatever you do. I don't know what you do. Steward it well. It's <laughs> a joke. You should have laughed. What would our lives look like if we still did well what we've been called to do on the earth? What would this house look like if the people who make up this house still did well what we've been called to do? do you, let me just ask you this, coming to these books. Do you invest in yourself? Do you invest in what you've been called to do? I really struggle with people who will spend money on, on um, what do they call those things, vacation packages, timeshare. Listen, I'm not against timeshares or those things. But when you were never investing so spiritually, there's a real issue in your heart, guys. You need to make sure that you spend as much money on your spiritual growth as you do your natural growth. 
So I've got 13 books here, just on the prophetic. This is just part of my library. And this is probably 400 bucks, easily, that I've spent over 10 years. Why? Because I want to hone the gift. I want to get better. I want to be a... I want to be a, a sword in the hand of God. And when he moves me, I slice away the enemy. So be a faithful steward. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Think outside the box, number one. <laughs> number two, why are you laughing? That hurts. Number three, there we go. Communication discernment go hand in hand. Now, I want to hang on this one for just a minute. Let's go to Genesis 26. And actually, me and Leah kind of tied to on this a few weeks back. Last month, maybe. But the life of Jacob is real interesting. And there's a really just a key here we can, I, we can just chew on for days. But in Genesis 27, Jacob is deceiving his father because his father is wanting to bless Esau. The wife hears it, and she says, hey, go get an animal from the field, bring it in, get it ready to eat, and we're going to put the skins on your arms. And so when Isaac comes in, or you come into Isaac, he'll think you're Esau. And look what the Bible says here, verse 22. So Jacob came close to Isaac, his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brothers. Here's what I want you to see. A lack of communication caused a lack of discernment. When the son came in, he should have knew the son's voice. Like, we all have kids. Would you agree if your kid's in a room with 100 kids and your kid's crying, you would know your kid's cry? He has Jacob and he has Esau, and he can't discern the voice. Why? Because he never spent time with either son. I can prove that to you because it says he loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but it doesn't say anything about Jacob. I really question Isaac's love for either son because the Bible says his issue was his eyes were dim, not his hearing was gone. And so he should discern it. So here's what I want you to say. He went by what he felt, not what he heard. The prophetic is not rooted in what I feel, but how I hear. Now listen, let's understand this. God will use your senses. God will use your feelings, but we're never to be moved by how we feel. Okay? So when we started training in the prophetic, here's what we do. We'll do what's called blind man. And we bring people up, and we actually turn them around, have them face the wall. By the way, do you like our new sign? Does that not look good? That's awesome. Thank you, Envision. But we would turn them around, and we put a blindfold on them, and we bring people up behind them, and they would have to prophesy to the person behind them. And the reason we'd done that was this, because we wanted to learn how to move out of the spirit and not out of my eyesight. It's easy to prophesy out of what you see. Well, you know, he's got on a three-piece suit. He must have money. In reality, he could be the, so broke. And so we, we had to teach people at the beginning, you can't depend on what you see or what you feel. You have to learn how to begin to hear out of your spirit. Now, that could be impressions or whatnot. It would be many ways. And here's what's happening here. It's because he did not have fellowship with his son. He couldn't discern the voice. If you want to grow in hearing with the Father, you have to spend time with the Father to know his voice. And don't be moved by how you feel. Your feelings will deceive you. I said it last time. When your emotions are not sanctified by God, they can easily become manipulated by the devil. That's why we need inner healing. Because listen, guys, your soul is that filter. Let's use a, let's use a funnel. You go to the Logan's gas station where I live at, you got to get gas, you got to cut the grass. 
You come home, you have a nice, clean funnel. You pour the gas through the funnel into the engine, the lawnmower runs great. But if you have a dirty funnel full of grass, mud, dirt, and you pour gas into that funnel, the gas that was good has now become contaminated. Your soul has to be healed because if your soul is not healed, you will contaminate the pure word of the Lord. That's why your soul is just as important as your spirit. It is. That's why you need to have your stuff dealt with. That's why you need to have your emotions in check. Because your emotions, when not sanctified, they will deceive you. So when Jesus said this, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. The eye there is not the eye. He's talking about the lens of your soul. When your body, when the eye is single, the body is full of light. But when your eye is dark, how great is the darkness in you? You have to take care of your soul. Your soul does not work independent of your spirit. It works with your spirit. Just like this. Good catch, Sean. Sean's body, with his brain, his brain said to his arms, move and catch the pin. Well, your spirit is the origin of God. And your spirit, man, is where everything starts in your being. And it funnels through your soul and it manifests through your body. When any part of that's out of whack, the spirit is suppressed. The reason he could catch the pen with his hands because his brain sent a signal through his body. It says, move your hands and catch the pen. What happens? His body was not independent of the brain. It was working in conjunction with the brain. So spirit and body is the same analogy. They work together. They work as one unit. That's why you're so... And that's why in the Bible... Oh, I'm going to get on this one just for a moment. I feel Pentecostal. No, I'm kidding. People say, you know, you got to kill that flesh. Listen. You, your flesh died with Christ. It died. That's why you will never find in Scripture, and I will challenge anybody to show me this, you will never find any place in Scripture, kill the flesh. You will find two things. Be renewed in your mind and put off the deeds of the flesh. And the flesh is not the body. The flesh is the old carnal nature. If your flesh is still alive, then you have not been resurrected with, then you have not been resurrected with Christ. Telling you, I promise, find it. You won't find it. Uh, please, hold, hold, hold questions, please. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm, you're, you're good. It's nothing bad. I just, sometimes I like questions, sometimes I just want to stay with what I'm feeling. That's what, it's fine. Number four. Number four, don't automatically equate that what you see or hear in this season necessarily has the same meaning as it did in the previous season. I know people are really bad about this. They take, and I'm not against these. I have these. I didn't bring my, I didn't bring my, my dream book that has all the symbols. But people are really bad in saying, well, let's take the dream book out and let's just, let's just go for it. I'm not against dream books. I have them in my house. But I use those in addition to not in spite of the Holy Spirit. And I know, and I know a lot of people. Honestly, I know people who when they have a dream, they say, what's the book at? I'm like, did you, did you prep up that dream? Well, no, I just went to the book. Why did, you, why did you go to the book? Joseph said, does not interpretation belong to God? Not the book. Not against books. Rachel, do we have these books in our house? We got them. I use them. Not against them. But here's the point I want you to make, is that when Elijah, after he has victory over Jezebel, and then Jezebel sends word to Elijah that she's going to kill his life, Elijah goes into a deep depression. 
And the angel comes and he says, you need to eat the cake. And so he eats the cake and he falls back asleep. And the angel comes again and says, you need to eat the cake again because you cannot run in the race that's not before you. So Elijah runs for 40 days. And he gets to the mount and there's a wind, there's a fire, and there's an earthquake. And he discerned that the Lord was not in the wind or in the fire or in the earthquake. But then there's a still small voice and he heard the voice. Now, here's why I say that, because there was a time at Pentecost where God came in the wind, and he came in the fire, and he came in the earthquake. And a lot of people would say, well, God did it once that way, so he must be doing it again. No, we have to stop and say, what is God saying in this season through this word? It could be the same word, but it could have a totally different meaning, guys. So don't assume that what God's saying is what he said in the past. Let's take time to pray about it. Have wisdom with it to make sure we have the right word of the Lord. Does that make sense? Okay. Moving on. Now, I want to give you three, and we're going to just read the scriptures, and I'm almost done. I want to give you three Old Testament examples for a very specific reason. Now, it came to pass in the 13th month, in the 4th month, on the 5th day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Chabar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. Genesis 28, so he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun has set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place of sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached the, to the heavens, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Isaiah 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Now, here's where I read all that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, But the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How would the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For the ministry of condemnation, he calls it the ministry of condemnation. Ten Commandments. Glory, fire, had glory, the ministry of the righteous exceeds much more glory. Now, why do you read all this? Because here's the point. If the old covenant had glory, and those in the old covenant had visions, saw angels, was lifted between heaven and earth, did all these things, how much more shall we, who now in the new covenant, do the same things? He says you have a better covenant built upon better promises. So what God did with Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the prophets of old, Moses, if he'd done that under an old covenant and we're under a new covenant, how much more should we move in that same thing that they moved in? Okay, I thought that was a good word. Moving on. Now, let me give you three keys and we'll be done. Something else I need to use my notes. I just thought, all in my heart, it feels so nice. Like, listen, I mean, look, honestly, you know what I've been doing in my life? I'm, side note, I'm going to take a rabbit trail because it has nothing to do with the sermon. Side note. You know, I, I think I preached here in June, and I, and I left, and I thought, oh, my God, that was horrible. And, that sucked, and I felt really, really bad. I thought, ten, literally, eight hours at night. It was bad. It was bad. I just, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, you know what your issue is, Paul? He says, you prepare your, your sermons more than you prepare your heart. I was like, oh, yeah, I just got a kick in the butt on that one, God. Thank you a lot. 
And so I've been going through this great deliverance. I'm like Linus on Charlie Brown. Like my notes are like my blankie. You know like Linus on Charlie Brown has a little blankie? My, now, I, I've got my notes, but I haven't used them. I mean, it's like, here's my little blankie. And I'm saying this. What God's been doing in my own life has been delivering me from the need of notes. It's amazing what happens when you actually start communicating to God about issues in your life, and he, God shows you the, the, the changes he's making in your heart. And so it feels really good to get, to, not, not to be impressive by you at all, but just to say, you know what? It's really amazing when you actually get the word in your heart. You don't need notes. So thank you, Lord, for that rebuke that you gave me. Because it was, it was a rebuke. It was a, it was a your issues, you, you prepare sermon notes. When you, I'm like, oh, Jesus, I need to go repent. Anyway. But number one, spiritual perception is normal because you were born of God. Who likes movies in this place? Who likes music in this place? Who likes cooking shows in this place? Cooking shows? HGTV? These are our lives? I knew it. I knew it. Georgia fans always like this stuff. Anyway. Country music. Who likes country music in this place? Jeff and he love some hip hop. You know, it's okay. What well, well, I'm saying, here's what I'm saying, because all of those things, I, I just lost it, Ken. I, did, I just lost it, man, like you did. I lost it. I said hip hop. Just gonna break it down for us. When I said that, because all that's in the room right now. If you got the right antenna, you can pick up that channel to watch it. Well, you're a spirit being. So when you learn to tune in your spirit, you pick up what's in the room already. The angels is in the room. The prince of God's in the room. This realm is normal for us because we're born of God. John 1, 12. You're not born after the flesh or after the will of man, after blood, but you're born after God. So the spirit realm should be very natural for us because we are spirit beings. I don't know who said it. The first time I heard it was Jonathan Wilton. So I'm going to steal this from Jonathan Wilton because it's in his book. He says, you're not physical beings having a temporary spiritual experience. He said, you're spirit beings having a temporary physical experience. Just like in this room right now, there's football games being played. I don't know who's playing because it's NFL, and the NFL just is awful. I don't like the NFL. But if I had that, my dish receiver right now, I could just plug it in and sit in, and I could pick it up. Because it's, it's in the room. Well, the spirit room is no different than here or at Walmart or at your job. You're called to be a missionary on your job. You're called to be a spiritual ambassador on your job that has the secrets to people you work with. The thing is, though, have you trained your spirit to discern what's happening in the room? Now, I'm not fully there yet either. I'm still, but you know what? I, that's why I step out and I look foolish. And that's us. Holy Spirit knows all things. And you're one with the Holy Spirit. He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Because you're one with him, you have access to all things right now. That's why we need to train our spirits. That's why we need to have times where we'll get together and we meet other people to learn how to stretch ourselves. And we learn how to look stupid and foolish and make mistakes. But you have to get over yourself. It's like I love the Bill Johnson analogy. Bill Johnson said when, he when his kids were growing up, Eric and... And um, the other one, Brian. He said when they were learning to ride the bicycles for the first time, 
He said, I took them to the park because it wasn't if they fell, but when they fell. He said, I wanted them to fall in a way that the fall didn't hurt them. And the beauty of training is that you create a place for safety. So when you do fall, because I'm going to tell you, you're going to miss it. You create a place of safety where you can get up and do it again. But if you take your kids and put them on the concrete the first time, they bust their head open, they're probably not going to get back on the back again. And so if you put people in front of people for the first time and they miss it, what's the odds they're going to do it again? Number two, the fact we sometimes see in our mind's eye does not negate the reality of what was just seen. Most times when I see, I don't think I've ever saw with my own eyes in the spirit. Now, Sean, have you ever saw your own? Did you know of it? Was, okay. I know I have a pastor friend who just sees things with his eyes. But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I want to say this is this. Is that most times when you see, you will see mostly in your mind's eye. Daniel 7 talks about dreams in his mind. Now, here's what I'm bringing it up. Jesus said in Matthew 5 or 6. Let me see if I got my notes. Matthew 5. He said this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that anyone who looks on a woman with lust has already committed adultery in his heart with her. Now, under the law, thou shalt not commit adultery. That means you do not get busy. But Jesus said, you killed it. That if you look at a woman with lust, meaning you have not got busy physically, but in your heart you did. He said, you've already did the same sin. Now, over here, under Moses, he says, you should not do it physically. But over here, spiritually, what happened? The thing was this, is that your heart, even though it was not involved physically, your heart still went there. And don't, don't get crit on me, guys. Because even though I'm not in the act here, I'm still in sin. So the same way I'm talking my heart. So when I, when I yield my heart to the Lord, my mind becomes the place where the images are played in my head. Let's just be honest, guys. We know we've all been there. We've seen that woman at the beach, and we have those thoughts in our heart, and all of a sudden those images, whew, what happened? We yielded our heart. Ladies, you played it too. We yielded our heart to a place we shouldn't have. And because we begin to yield our heart, images begin to play in our mind. So here's what I'm saying. When you learn how to yield your heart to the Spirit, then as you yield your heart to the Spirit, your mind begins to see things that you previously didn't see. And the fact you see it here doesn't mean it's not as real as what you saw with these things right here. What is seen is temporary. What is not seen is eternal. And God will let you see most times with this thing, this right here, before you see with these right here. That's why you can't negate. That's why for a lot of times I struggle with like, was that just my imagination? Like I would see things, I'm thinking, that's just Paul. That's what I would think because I didn't understand that seeing was actually seeing with the eyes of my heart. That's why Ephesians 1, I pray that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. So that's a really good example here that Jesus said. Is that he says, if you lust after a woman, you've already done it. So, guys, if the negative works, the positive works the same way. So, we have to learn to yield our hearts in a way that the images we see are from the Holy Spirit. And so, when I saw the angel with Rachel, I said, Hey, Rachel, that's an angel. I was like, That's cool. 
took me years to understand this. It took me years to figure this out. But I, when I finally realized, I said, okay, I see knives. And listen, it was so funny. I remember one time, like one of the very few times, I, I was praying for somebody, and they was in front of me, and I had my eyes open, and all of a sudden I saw a knife in their back. And I said, have you been backstabbed? And they began to like break down and cry because they had just had their friend just backstab them in the back. And the Lord said, just pull the knife out. So I went behind them. That's what I did. I grabbed the knife, didn't touch it, and I pulled it out, and they actually fell down the floor. It was the craziest thing. I don't understand why things happen like that. They just do. So here's what I'm saying to you is, is when I had those moments, I just took a minute. This is Paul. This is Holy Spirit. Again, we're in no rush because it's not about you. Discern it. Okay, that's not pizza. Because sometimes it is pizza. I've had it happen. I'm just going to be honest. You know, I've had it happen. But most times it's the Lord. But what I want to do, I want to wait. I want to make sure. Okay, that's the Lord. Hey, here's what I'm seeing. Anyway. Number three. I want to end with this one. God greatly desires to use your senses. Hebrews 5 says this. But solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Now, let me just give you some quick examples of scriptures where senses were used. Taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Feel, now I, Daniel was alone, saw the vision, while the men who were with me did not see the vision. Nevertheless, a great dread fell on them, and they ran away to hide them. So what happened? They were feeling what was happening. They were feeling, listen, there was times praying with people, and you begin to feel angels in the room. Like, I noticed this one time, this angel came behind me, and he brought his wings out. I was like, oh, Jesus, angel, feeling. Sight, then Elisha prayed and said, oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see in the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Smell? We'll skip smell. <laughs> you can't find a good scripture. I did find a couple of good scriptures for smell. Anyway, Genesis 8. Hearing. Now, I mean, I'm going back to smell, because I have a story for smell. Sorry. You like it? Thank you. I thank you, Justin. I'm going to buy you a steak. Just like, well, let me tell you this. So, 2010, Abner and I were going to the Philippines and was going to an island called Mindanao. Mindanao is in the, if you look at the map of all these islands of the Philippines, and Mindanao is a big island in the south, and Mindanao is a really strong Muslim stronghold. And so, Rudy, yeah, Rudy is his name, the guy we're going to use, he sent us an email and says, hey, uh, the embassy has closed because the Muslims have went crazy there. You may want to cancel your trip. And we'd only bought the tickets, like two grand a piece. And so we said, well, let's just pray about the trip. So Rachel was gone that night. And so I'm at the house praying. And all of a sudden, I begin to smell like this tropical smell. And being the spiritual, the spiritual John I am, I said, I said, my wife bought a candle. And so I'm looking for a candle. And I'm like, where is that candle that Rachel bought? Because it smells so good. It's like tropics and coconuts. And ah, oh, it smells so good. And I said, well, let me go pray again. So I pray again for like 10 minutes. And I begin to smell it again. I thought, you know what, Rachel bought some tropical Febreze. So I'm looking for the Febreze because you, you just wanted to eat it. It smelled so good. And after about a half hour, I realized, oh, that's God. And what was God doing? God was saying, through smell, you need to go to the Philippines. So I called Abner. I said, hey, God says, let's go. So we went to the Philippines. We got down there, and they just opened up the embassy that same day. We got down there, which was cool. 
Anyway, so we go to this church, and we drove all over the island. Oh, my God, we drove so much. It was insane. Like, five hours, preach. Five hours, go preach. It was insane. But anyway, so we went to this one church that night, and um, at the end of the service, we're like, we're praying for people, and we're not even touching them, and bodies begin to just fly across the room. And the pastors say, in 25 years, we had never saw this before in our lives. It's amazing how God confirmed a trip through the sense of smell. So here's what I'm saying to you, is that God wants to use your senses. You don't, he, you're not to be led by your senses. There's a difference between being led by your soul and, being, and your soul being used. There's a difference between being led by your senses and your senses being used by God. And so God wants to use your senses. Amen? 